Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Ooh, that video gave me shivers. <laughs> How are you guys doing today? So good. Well, I'm super excited to be here this morning. For those of you who don't know me, there I see a few new people, um, and this season is just awesome. My name's Jesse. I'm our family ministry director here, so I get to hang out with kids and the youth, and it's so fun, and I just love every part of it. So good. And I also want to say thank you so much for coming on a snowy day yeah. with crazy roads. I almost ran into a sign on my way here, and I was like, ooh. Yikes. But I didn't hit it, so that's good. Um, and I just wanted, I want you to know that I know and firmly believe that since you made the effort to come here on a day where it's kind of like a little bit of an extra kind of, I don't know, you actually have to like leave early, you know, it's a little bit of a sacrifice for you. God's got something good for you here today. So just know that as we're studying the word together and as we're reading the Bible and we're getting to know God together, that he's got something in store for you and that he's going to give you something good because you showed up. Amen. He's here for you. He's got you. So I don't know about you guys, but I often feel that sometimes life can be a little bit chaotic. Do you guys ever feel that? Yes. A little bit, yeah? <laughs> okay, I know especially it's a little bit chaotic when you spend a whole week with a three-year-old. I don't know if you guys have ever done that either, or parents, you obviously have, but I got the joy and the pleasure last week to go and spend time with my family up in Peace River. My sister was expecting her second baby, so I was there to take care of my three-year-old nephew, and I was like, oh my goodness, this is so awesome. I got there really late at night, so the next morning I heard him stomping upstairs, and I was like, this is great. I kind of shoved my Bible aside for a second. I was like, I'm just going to go say hi to my nephew. God knows it's important, right? He's it's my nephew. I want to go say hi. And I got there. I got up there. And it's awesome. But then all of a sudden, I was so overwhelmed by the chaos of a three-year-old. Like, I'm used to like one-year-olds, two-year-olds. They cause a little bit of chaos, but you can clean it up. But you can't keep up with a three your old boy. Just can't do it. Sorry, Indy. <laughs> it's coming for you. <laughs> Prepare yourself. <laughs> um, but all of a sudden, it was like, Auntie, do this with me. Auntie, go away. I'm going to play superhero. I'm Ultron. You're Iron Man. And then all of a sudden, he's like in and pulling pots out. And all of a sudden, he's like, oh, I'm hungry. And like, you just made breakfast. And now you can't do dishes. And like, life is just full of chaos. And it's overwhelming. And sometimes, like I found myself last week, I ended up feeling distant from God a little bit. I ended up feeling distant from my purpose of the week, of that like it could have been so much more than what it was because I was just so overwhelmed by the chaos. I was like, it's just got to be the next step, the next thing, got to get through it. My sister went into labor, so then I was like, hey, it's just me and Jasper. Like, I got I to gotta do this. And I, like, I felt leaving the week, and I was like, man, I feel like it was just chaotic. Shouldn't there have been more to that, that week than that? I don't know if you guys have, have ever felt this. Maybe um, you're a Christian here and you felt like you, the chaos of life, just the one constant thing after another, the um, demands, the appointments, the chaos of a three-year-old for you who have parents just keeps you going and you feel like, man, there's got to be more to life than this. Or I don't know if you don't know Christ today or you don't know Jesus and you just feel like you're going from promotion to promotion. You're just trying to push through life. You're trying to push through the chaos or you feel like you'd finally get somewhere where life could be good and then all of a sudden something happens and all of a sudden you're right back where you started. I don't know if you guys have ever been surfing, but life can be like you're going surfing and you, you're paddling out and then a wave's coming and you kind of make it past the wave. You make it out a little bit and then another wave comes and then all of a sudden, you're all the way back where you started. And you're like, 
oh shoot, <laughs> and now I'm tired. <laughs> but I actually have to get out there to try to surf and ride a wave back in. And life can kind of feel like that. It can kind of feel like there's this huge expectation, like, wow, life can be good. And all of a sudden something hits and you're like, wow, this actually kind of sucks. It doesn't feel good right now. I feel distant from a purpose. I've been searching for a purpose, but I feel like I can't find it. I've been searching for more in life, but this is what I'm experiencing and I feel stuck here. And we can end up feeling disconnected from God, disconnected from our family and from our friends because all we have our eyes on is the chaos and that's all we feel. And I want you to know today that this is not God's plan for you. Chaos is not the plan. Chaos happens in life and it's reality but it's not the plan that God has for you that should define you. Okay, yeah. I, I want you to hear that. And we are made to live in a life in intimate relationship with God. Right. We're meant to live as sons and daughters and in friendship with yeah, God. Yeah. And the God right. wants to do life with you. He doesn't want you to do life on, on your own where you feel like, okay, Sunday comes, I go to church and it's awesome and I feel his presence or I have this big promotion and life feels great and then all of a sudden the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday come and you're just trudging through. You're just paddling through the water and another wave comes and all of a sudden you're all the way back at the beginning and you're like, oh, I'm tired. Yeah. Oh man, this sucks. Oh man, I feel distant from the hope of actually being able to ride a wave, actually being able to feel success and purpose yeah. and fulfillment in my life. It feels distant and you feel distant from God. But God wants to do life with you. Romans 5 verse 11 says, So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because of our Lord Jesus Christ, and he has made us friends of God. Jesus made us friends of God. We're not supposed to be just people that do things, that live life, but we're supposed to be his friends. Psalm says this in Psalm 116, God is gracious. It is he who make things, makes things right. Our most compassionate God God takes the side of the helpless, and when I was at the end of my rope, he saved me. Do you know that God wants to save you? Yeah. He doesn't want you to just hold on to the rope being like, oh, I got this, I got this. Yeah. I gotta keep paddling, I can keep paddling. God wants to catch you. Yeah. He wants to do life with you. Yeah, he doesn't want to leave you on your own so you feel like you've just gotta face it and get over it and deal with it, but he wants to help you. Yeah. He wants to save you. In 1 John it says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Check out Matthew 7, it says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks find. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. God wants you to see him. He wants you to find him. He wants you to receive from him. He wants you so that when you come knock on the door, that he wants to open that door to you. He, he wants to do life with you. He doesn't ever, ever want to shut the door on you. That's not his heart. He wants to do life with you. And it's not just the Sunday you. And I feel like we can often get caught up in that, being like, oh yeah, Sunday, I dress up nice, look kind of fly, you know? <laughs> and you go into church and you say hi to, right? <laughs> You go and you say hi to a few people and you're like, man, this is good. I, I'm seeing people that I know, you know, and then you go into worship and have a great time in worship and the presence of the Lord is there and you're like, oh, this is so good. Then we hear a great message from Pastor Ryan. You're like, oh, good word. Amen. So good. You know, and then you go home and then you have your holy Sunday nap. And you're like, man, today was a God day. Not just a good day, but a God day, right? Right? So good. 
But he wants more than that. He wants more than the places that can be easy to slap on our Christian face yeah. and perform and where it's easy to say, go up to somebody, shake their hand and be like, how are you doing? Oh, good. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah, good. You know, like he wants more than that part of you. Yeah. His desire is to have your heart in the Mondays yeah. when life gets a little chaotic. Yeah. In the Tuesdays when you're like, okay, this, might, this week might end up okay. The Wednesdays and you're like, no, <laughs> this is it. This is the end. I'm done. And then the Thursdays when you're like, okay, just get through today. And then the Fridays when you're like, at least the weekend's coming. Like, at least that can make me happy for today. Okay. <laughs> that, he wants every single day of your week. He wants the nitty gritty of the 24-7 when you're not put together. You don't know what to say. You don't know what to do. He wants that part of you. He doesn't want a person or a heart that can put on a mask and say, oh, I'm good. He wants a person who can say, this is how I am. This is how my heart feels right now. And uh, developing this relationship with God where we can be honest, this 24-7 relationship where it's just not about the Sunday, but it's the nitty-gritty, it's every moment of every day, is developed in a place that the Bible talks about as the secret place. And this secret place is a place where you go to be with just God. It's just God, and it's just you. That's it. There's nothing else. It's just you and God. And it's not an obligation to say, okay, I'm here to check off my boxes. I'll take 15 minutes to read my Bible, say a couple of words and pray, God be with me today. Love you. And then head out the door. It's more than that. Yeah. And I'm going to be honest that there are days that this is all we have. Life hits and that's okay. And out of our necessity for God, we say, God, I'm going to give you these 15 min minutes, even though you deserve more yeah. and I need more. I'm just going to give you this. That's awesome. But when we minimize our relationship with God to just 15 minutes to just check off our boxes, we're actually robbing ourselves of a part of life that we're made for. We've been talking this whole series about how we're made to worship God. We're made to sing holy songs of yada, lift our hands, experience his presence that way. But we're also made for the secret place. We're designed to spend time with God in our hearts and just with him one-on-one -on -one in the nitty-gritty. That's what we're made for. And God has been teaching me a lot on this journey over the past just couple years about what it means to spend time in the secret place and intimacy with him. And the first that came up in the first place and that I've been meditating on the whole, like since then for two years has been Psalm 46.10. And it says, be still and know that I am God. And I think it's important, too, to check out the context of this verse in the Psalms. Um, the psalmist, it's not David, but it's, it's another writer. He says, kind of at the beginning he goes trust in the Lord he's our stronghold our refuge and then it goes into this he says when the world gives way and the mountain crumble the mountains crumble so when the earth gives way and the mountains crumble this is like the worst situation they could come up with that might shake the faith of a believer and it happens to be the end of the world <laughs> when the world comes to an end be still and know that I am God when life just feels like it's come to the end and you've just got to get through the next thing and the next thing, but you don't know how it's going to get better, you can't see it, you have no hope, and it's just like, this is it. This is the end. This is the bottom of the barrel. It can't get any worse than this. The Bible says to be still yeah. and know Amen. that I am God. So, good. so when we be still, it means that we stop doing. We just be with God, which I'm going to be honest is so hard in our culture because in our culture and in our society, it's all about do, 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 go, 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 perform, 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 be there, be ready, do this, be on time. 
But that's not what God wants. It's good to, this word still is the Hebrew word rapa, which means to relax. So when was the last time you guys had, like, took a time to relax? Think about it. When was the last time that you actually felt relaxed? Hmm. Been, I know it's been a while for myself even. It's hard to get there. It's hard to get a place where you can just like feel your muscles and your body just like relax. It also means to abandon yourself, to be quiet, to show oneself slack. So it basically means to give yourself a break. Stop being so hard on yourself. Let your guard down. Just relax with your father, your creator, your God. Be still. It also means to disarm yourself, which is also hard because we like to hold our hands up like this and be like, I've got this. It's good. I'm just going to say what I need to say. We like to arm ourselves sometimes with like, okay, I know Christians just say this, so I'm going to say it. I'm going to arm myself. But God asks us to disarm ourselves, to be able to be honest and say, God, this is actually where I'm at to let our guard down, to let the walls down in our heart and stop performing for him, stop acting and trying to prove ourselves as a good enough person or a good enough Christian where we don't need God. But he actually says, no, disarm yourself. Know that you need me. Let me come in and let me help you. And this is the start of how we can get to know God who created the universe. The Bible lays out some amazing promises that God gives to those who regularly pursue the secret place. It's a rhythm in their life, and they value it, and they're intentional with it. First, the Bible says that we will know God better. This verse in Psalm 46, 10, be still and know that I am God. When you t spend time to just abandon yourself and relax and say, okay, God, come on in. This is where I'm at. You'll actually know God better. You're not going to know principles, per se. You're not going to know that this truth or that truth, but you're going to know God in your heart. Yeah. You're going to know his presence. You're going to know deep in your heart, even though you can't explain it, you're going to know who God is. Yeah, right. It's going to be this deep-seated presence and peace in your life that you just know. Amen. You just know. Amen. Secondly, we'll be close to God. James 4 verse 8 says, come close to God and God will come close to you. Amen. Notice that word will. Yeah, right there. It's a promise. It's not a, he might come close to you if he feels like it. It's a, God loves that. He has that heart already for you, so he will come close to you. Mm -hmm. The third thing is that we will be able to find rest, and we'll be able to trust God. Psalm 91 says, those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And this word shadow, quickly before we move on to the rest, it means a place of protection and a place of defense. Okay, so God will protect you and defend you when you live life in his presence. You've got to choose to move yourself under his shadow. His shadow never moves. You've got to move to where the shadow is, right? And so when I thought of this and I was thinking about this, I thought of a penguin. I don't know if you guys have seen planet Earth or been to the zoo to see penguins, but what happens when a snowstorm is coming, the baby penguins will kind of all kind of start running towards their parents trying to figure out whose parent is who, and then <laughs> they all look the same. How do you really know, right? Um, but, <laughs> but then what happens is the dad penguins, he kind of like, I don't know how, how they do it, but he kind of like goes over and like squats down on the baby penguin, you know? And that's what it honestly means to be in the shadow of our dad, is that even though the snowstorm is happening all around these baby penguins, 
penguins, they're, they're still in there. It's a reality, the situation that they're in. They're in the shadow of their dad penguin. They remain unaffected by the chaos and the coldness and the harshness of the world around them. And they're in a place of warmth, of safety, of protection and defense. And they know they can go there because they know their dad. They've spent time getting to know their dad since they were little babies with their dad all the time where their mom's gonna go out and get food. Okay, so they go there because they trust God. Psalm 91 says, he is my God and I trust him. So we know that we can go to his shadow, we can go to the secret place, and we can know that he'll defend us and protect us there because we spent time trusting him, getting to know him. Okay, the fourth thing is that we will experience his goodness in the secret place. Psalms 31 says, he will lavish his goodness on us, he will bless us, he shelters us, he keeps us safe. Again, he keeps us in the truth, not susceptible to what other people might, may try to say to us. God will lavish his goodness on us. And I feel like that's what we felt while, um, during worship and while Pastor Ryan was prophetically speaking to us is God was lavishing his goodness on us. The goodness that lavishes on us, that's not just a sprinkle just to get you through, but it's a lavish goodness that brings freedom, that brings breakthrough, that brings love and peace and identity all into your life. He lavishes it. He doesn't hold back his goodness from you. The fifth thing is that you will know who you are by being with him. The Bible tells us that God is our father and we are his children and that we, we, when we choose to put our life aside to seek him, he'll be there and he'll tell us who we are. I know for me it's, it's so easy to go through life and all of a sudden we kind of lose our identity a little bit. We lose who we are because we're like, okay, in this moment I'm auntie, in this moment I'm working and I'm behind my desk, I'm, or in this moment I'm doing my homework, and we can lose who we are, but the Bible tells us that when we spend time with God, we'll know who we are. Because in every situation, who we are doesn't change. Who we are, we're a child, we're a son and daughter of God. Yeah. And his presence is with us. Amen. Romans 8 says, you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received a spirit when he adopted you as his children. And now we call him Abba Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Okay, this word Abba in here means dad. So it's more than just an authoritative relationship of a father who you're related to and you just kind of follow what he, do what he says for 18 years and then you peace out and you're on your own, right? But it's, it's more than that. It's a relationship of trust yeah. and of friendship. Yeah. There's a difference between a dad and a father. Oops, I lost my notes. Oops, so the, there's more. Hey, there we go. Um, <laughs> it's, there's more to our relationship with God than just him telling us what to do and us doing it for a little bit of time while we live at home until we got our life figured out and then we kind of do what we want. It's a friendship trust that goes throughout our life knowing that we can come to him whenever we've made a mistake and he'll still love us. We can come to him whenever we need something and we're missing something. Like for me, I go to my dad mostly when my car breaks down. I'm like, hey dad, I need you again. I'm sorry, but I need you. And he's like, yeah, I love doing it for you. That's what a dad is. And then it says, notice how it says that we're adopted as sons and that the spirit affirms that we are his children. We're heirs. We're more than doers for God. It says, it says the spirit in us, the spirit that we receive from Jesus, does not make us fearful slaves. Yeah. We're not people who cower in the corner saying, okay, 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 I'll do it. Just to uh, not 
get punished for it, right? That's not who we are. We are God's children and we are his heirs. That means that everything the Father has in heaven, all the goodness, all of the provision, everything that he has at his disposal, he wants you to have it. He wants you to experience it in your life. He doesn't want you to be sitting at the end of the day thinking, I don't know how I'm gonna pay for my electricity bill. He says, no, you know what? If you can't pay for your electricity bill, that's fine. I'm gonna provide for you. And then all of a sudden that, however much, I don't know, $100. I live with my parents, so I don't know. (laughs) They're blessing. (laughs) But however much you need, God says, I've already got it and it's yours. You don't have to live fearful for tomorrow because you know that you're God's son, yeah. you're God's daughter, Amen. he's got you. First so John three says, see what kind of love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God and so we are. It doesn't say and so we act like it. Yeah. It doesn't say and so we try to be. It says and so we are. Right now, wherever you are in your life, you are a son of God. You are his daughter because of the love he has for you. Not because of what you've done, but because of his love. The Bible shows us that even Jesus spent time in the secret place, which is kind of mind-boggling because he was the son of God, the Messiah, kind of fully human, but he's also fully God. So don't, like, he's obviously something other than we are, but he had to spend time in the secret place. Luke 15 says, Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness to pray. In another version, it says he went to the lonely places. And yet in another version, it says, as often as possible, God withdrew to the out of the way places for prayer. Not God, Jesus withdrew to the out of the way places for prayer. As often as possible. This is obviously something more than just to check off the box, but this is something that was vital to the Son of God's existence on earth and relationship with his heavenly Father. It's not something he could skip out on. A couple of examples of this is in Matthew 14. It says that when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. And what had happened in this moment was Jesus' cousin had just died and he just got word of this. And the, what did he do immediately? He went into the secret place to mourn. He admitted, God, Dad, my heart hurts right now. I just lost somebody. I lost something that was important to me. And I, they gave me joy and they gave me life and we love spending time together. Dad, this hurts. I'm sad right now. He went there to process it and to mourn for it. He didn't just try to slap a face on saying, I'm good. I'm the savior of the world. I'm good. This doesn't bother me. This can't touch me. You know, but he actually went there and he was like, God, this hurts. A little bit later when, uh, when Jesus landed off the boat, he saw a large crowd and he had compassion on them. He healed their sick and immediately after he had healed their sick and had compassion on them, he, he immediately he made the d- disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up onto a mountainside by himself to pray and later that night he was there alone. So right after Jesus had just ministered to 5,000 people, provided a meal for them, had people coming up to him, Jesus, do this for me. Jesus, can you do this for me? Jesus, I've got this bruise here. It's kind of annoying. Can you fix this for me? You know, after he had so many people coming up to him, he was probably a little tired. What did he do? He didn't spend time vegging and watching Netflix. (laughs) 
<laughs> ah, got me. <laughs> you know, he didn't spend time just with his disciples saying, okay, you guys take the boat, I'm gonna relax. No, he actually went into the secret place. He said, disciples, you go. I need to refresh. I need to recuperate from this. I'm tired right now. I've just been giving myself, giving myself, giving myself. I need my dad to come and just kind of put his arm around me and just say, son, I love you. I just need a little bit of recuperation, time to be refreshed from all the busyness. In Mark 14, this is when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he was actually getting ready to face a really hard situation. He was getting ready to face crucifixion, to be killed on a cross by people. One of them was his disciple and his friend who had just journeyed with him. So he was walking into a, a, a situation of betrayal and a situation that was really hard and facing the cross. And this is what he said, Abba, Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. And I think this is the epitome of what it means to have a relationship with God in the secret place. Because even Jesus, the savior of the world, who knew that he would be the one to come and save humanity on the cross, he even said to his dad, oh, I don't want to do this. This is a little much. This is a little hard for me to walk through. He didn't put on the, the mask or the face of, I'm the savior of the world, La -da -da, let's just go, okay guys, take me. He didn't do that. He went and spent time in the secret place with his dad saying, if there's anything you can do to take this away from me, now's the time to get me out of here. Yeah. Now's the time to do it. But then he also trusted God enough, trusted his father enough to say, whatever you want to be done, let it be done. It's not what I want, what I think is best, but God, it's what you think is best. So he's able to walk into that hard situation in obedience and trust, knowing that God's got it. In the end, God's gonna protect him. In the end, whatever people may say about him or may do to him does not define who he is as a child of God. Can't affect him. Okay, so Jesus needed the secret place. It was helpful, helpful to him, and he needed to stay in connection with his dad when life hits and all of a sudden there's mourning and he was sad. When life hits and he's, and he's tired and he's burnt out a little bit, and le when life hits and you don't want to do something because you know it's going to suck, but it's just a si situation in the circumstance of your life right now, Jesus needed the secret place to go, to be honest, to be in relationship with, dad, or with his dad, so how do we develop a secret place? The Jesus teaches us how to develop this relationship with God. But we have to know and recognize that it's not just a checklist he's trying to give us. We say, okay, do this, do this, do this, and you're good. This is actually something that, remember, that was vital to his existence. Okay, that was vital to him. Matthew 6 says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth. That is all the reward they will ever get. When you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. In another version it says, when you come before God, don't turn in that into a theatrical production either. Don't turn it into theatrical production where just, you're just saying what you know you need to say to get through it. All these people make a regular show out of their prayers hoping for stardom. Do you think God sits in a box seat? Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet and secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and as honestly as you can manage. 
the focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense his grace. The one thing I wanna leave you guys with today is how to develop a secret place is honesty. Be honest, I remember I was in a situation in my life I was in finishing my final year at Prairie in Bible school, and I was supposed to be going on to my next year, and I had to have this moment in my room, and I was like, I've been telling all these people, I'm good for next year, yeah, I'm coming back, I'm good, but in my heart, I was like, I don't know how I'm gonna pay for this. But to everybody else, I was like, it's good, yeah, I'll be here, yep, I'm gonna lead this, I'm gonna do this, and I had to go back to my dorm room, and I had to sit there, and I was honestly like to God, I was like, this is, God, you, you, you're not gonna wanna hear this. <laughs> which he does, but in that moment I was like, this is, not a this is not what a Christian would say. And I said, God, I don't trust you to bring this financial ability for me to come back to school. I don't trust you to do this. And you know what happened? Is immediately in that moment, peace fell in my heart. Because now I had given God room to be God in my life. I wasn't trying to go around and say, I've got this. I've got this, I'm good, I'm good. Yep, God is good, just going through the motions, putting on a theatrical production of Christianity that we feel like everybody wants to see and that will be pleasing to the eyes of people and our pastor will notice and this person will notice. You know, God doesn't want that. He wants honesty. He wants you to be able to say that no matter what, God, I don't wanna do this right now. God, this really hurts right now. He wants the, what, what, how you feel in the depth of your heart that you're trying to cover, sh like put dirt over with a shovel, just be like, I'm hiding it, it's good, it's not there. He wants that part. Because when we stop being God in our life, that gives God the freedom to believe you in that thought today. Mother Teresa said this about the secret place, is that real prayer is union with God, a union as vital as that of the vine to the branch. We need prayer. We need it. We need that union to produce good fruit, fruit of our oneness with God. Our lives must be connected with the living Christ in us. So what happens when we spend time to be with God in the secret place is all of a sudden we start to see him in, how, in the public place. And what happens in our life, we be able to have joy and um, purpose in what we do. We can go to work and I put addresses on an envelope or, or type this. My mom's a bookkeeper and she can go to work and put all the numbers in and stuff for other people knowing that what she's doing has purpose. Knowing that what she's doing is going to be the good fruit of Jesus Christ who lives in her. Because she has union with God in the secret place. She can have union with Him. We can have union with Him in our, in our public lives. In the lives where we can see people crying on the street corner, we can say, hey, you know what? God loves you. And we're not trying to prove that I heard the Holy Spirit and I'm just being a good Christian. I'm doing my duty. We can go and say, you know what? I know God's heart. I know him because I've spent time with him, just unveiling my heart to him and being as honest and raw as I can. And God came into my life in an indescribable way and touched my heart and gave me peace. He gave me identity. He gave me healing. He gave me breakthrough. I'm protected by him. I'm defended by him. I'm close to him. And I can find rest even in the busiest season of life because I take time to receive from him. So I want you guys to stand with me today. We're gonna go back into a moment of worship. And I wanna encourage you guys in this moment to just abandon that idea of performance. 
disarm yourselves. Let your guard down. Come before the throne of God. We know that he's here. Come before him right now in openness and honesty, saying, God, this is where I'm here. This is where I'm at right now. This week wasn't great. I feel a little down. This happened and I feel a little sad. Or I'm a little bit disappointed in this. And let him just come and touch your heart because he loves to do it. That's his heart for you. So I just want to pray today. God, we just invite you right now into our heart. God, we don't put on a performance for you. We don't try to prove that we can be Christian enough for you. Jesus didn't, he didn't try to be savior enough for you. God, but he was just with you. He just did life with you in every moment as often as he could, God. So I pray that right now, God, today we choose to just do life with you. Father, come and heal our hearts. Give us peace, God. Restore our brokenness. Bring us breakthrough, God, because we know this is your ministry. We know this is what you love to do. But it takes us to open the door to our life to you and to shut the door to the distractions of the world to so say, God, I know you the depths of my soul I know you so God I invite you we invite you right now to come come and mend our broken hearts God come on every eye closed in this place this morning and what a powerful powerful message there's two things that struck me as we end our time together first one is the authenticity to say God I don't trust you like the moment Jesse said that, the Holy Spirit just put a thought in my mind that there's a whole lot of people in here who don't want to engage Jesus because they're worried that they actually don't trust him. And I want you to know that that doesn't scare God. When Jesus rose from the dead, his 12 disciples came to worship him and the scripture says that they bowed down before Jesus, the resurrected king, and they worshiped him, but some of them doubted. <laughs> first thing Lord right now we just pray for those in the room God who feel like I can't be in relationship with you God I don't trust you Lord that's not true the honesty and the reality of, of our struggle and the areas where we've been hurt and injured and broken those are the, actually the very things that consist of a healthy relationship with God Father, we just acknowledge that today, that God, we say, Lord, there's sometimes we don't trust you. And there's sometimes the God that we feel hurt and we feel broken. And sometimes we feel like we've been damaged. And sometimes we feel like, God, this life has really kicked us around. And we feel like sometimes, God, that we don't deserve it. And Lord, that authenticity and that honesty, God, is exactly what you want from your people. Honesty, reality, real relationship. Lord, we just take that lie that we have to fully trust in you, that we have to fully understand it all in order to be in relationship with you. That is a lie, God, that we say today. Lord, we open our hearts up to you and say, God, we don't have all the answers. We don't have it all figured out. But gosh, we just really want to have a relationship with you. And secondly, the fact that Jesus didn't have to prove to you, Jesus, by being the Savior. Lord, we just try to prove ourselves so many times. Lord, I just pray today, Lord, that we would just take a big break. We would just relax. <laughs> would you do a favor with me? Do something, a favor for me? Come on, with every eye closed, just right now, I want you to take a big, deep breath. Come on, I want you to breathe in, and I want you to breathe out. Because often these kind of messages can feel like we need to go do something. Go do this, and you'll be okay. <laughs> but right now, I want you to, again, take a big, deep, deep breath in, deep, deep, deep breath out. Just be.
Lord, I pray this week that we would just be. We would be sons and daughters of the Most High God. That we would be exactly who we are right now with all of our problems and all of our hang-ups and all of our insecurities. Lord, that we don't have to come into your presence being anything else than that. We are just going to relax in the presence of our Father who loves us as we are. You approve of us, God. We are the righteousness of Christ. God, when you look at us, you don't see sin. You don't see failure. You don't see anger. Lord, you see the blood of Jesus Christ. You see the righteousness of God. We thank you for that, Lord. As we go today, Lord, I pray that we would start, for those in the room who haven't started, I pray they'd start tomorrow, maybe tonight, in their secret place with you. They'd get away, and they would just be, and they'd be honest about how they're doing. We love you, Jesus. Come on, there we are, I close. You're in the room today, and you'd like to start a journey with Jesus. Maybe you're not a Christian today. Maybe you were at one time, but you've fallen away, and I want you to know that's okay. Many of us in this room have responded to this very call. There we are, I close. You're in the room today, and you say, Ryan, I'd like to raise my hand and say I'd like to start this relationship with God either for the first time or I'd like to start it again. I'd like to rededicate my life to the Lord. With every eye closed, I'm not going to call you forward. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. All I'm going to do is we're going to say a prayer together and then hopefully we'll get to meet after the service. On the count of three, you'd like to give your life to Jesus. You're here today and maybe you were a follower of Christ at one time. One, two, come on, don't be afraid. I won't embarrass you. Three, come on, go ahead and put your hand in the air. Want anyone in the room want to give their lives to the Lord? Come on, that's awesome. Praise Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for the two hands that are lifted in the place today, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just pray for this, these two young men right now, Father. Lord, we just pray that your grace would be with them, God. They would know that you love them, Father. Come on, church, would you repeat after me? Dear Lord Jesus, I give my life to you today. Oh, I don't have all the answers, but I need you in my life. So I want to give my life afresh to you. I acknowledge that you are God. Forgive me of all my sin. And I want to start a new relationship with you today. Come and transform my spirit today, my soul today, and my body in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Come on, everybody say it. Come on, let's put our hands together for these two people who gave their lives to the Lord today. Come on, I would love to meet you. My wife is not here today, but you just have to put up with me. Uh, my friend Andrew Ling back here, he's waving the little thing right there. I'd love to meet you. Grab one of these cards, fill it out. We have a Discover booth. We have a $5 gift certificate for you for Starbucks. And if it's your first time today, or maybe you haven't gotten that five bucks Starbucks, right in that Discover booth, grab one of these cards. We also have a new series coming up called The Blessed Life. We have our three-year anniversary. Woo! December 1st, we're flying in Pastor Dave Patterson. And then that night before, we're going to have an amazing team night. It'll be so much fun. So make sure you grab one of these. Mark it on your calendar. Celebrate with us. I love you guys. We'll see you next week as we finalize our Made for This series, talking about seven Hebrew words that will change the way you worship. It's going to be awesome. Love you guys. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.